Please note viewers, this is not the full film for Hells. Rather, this is a review for the English dub of Hells. The movie can be purchased on Right Stuff or wherever you purchase your anime. At the time of editing, it's also been made available for streaming on Amazon and Asian Crush. Please support the official release of Hells. Sincerely, the Dub Talk Podcast. Warning. The podcast you are about to hear contains language and content that might not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. There will also be spoilers for Hells, as well as any other anime that may occur, so be very careful if there's a series you haven't watched yet. The opinions expressed are those of the individuals in tonight's episode and do not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. That having been said, much unlike the school gates depicted in the movie, Hells is accessible to everyone, even to those who are really cheap on the anime. Beats on Asian question Amazon for fuck's sake. Though if you decide to pirate, don't! If you still want to, we'll have to school you on your morals here at the Satsu River Academy, located in hell. Abandon all hope for ye who enter, for you're watching the Dub Talk Podcast, where tonight a pair of reviewers get together and discuss dubs in the wide world of anime films. That's right, it's Summer the Movies. Oh, and if you popped in expected to watch the full movie, oh honey, oh my sweet summer child, you're sorely mistaken. In, case, in any case, tonight I'm here with my buddy Roots. In the afterlife, you can pay any for the serious drive. Yeah, you make the scene all day, but tomorrow there'll be hell to pay. <laughs> hell yeah. And together we'll be discussing the dub of Madhouse Animation's 2008 film, Hells, based on the manga Hells Angels, by Shinichi Hiromoto. Yes, Hells was licensed by Discotech that, as of 2018, has had a dub with a joint venture, uh, it has the dub by a joint venture between Soundcaden Studios and Team Four Star. No, hey. I ain't stutter, you heard me right. This is legit one of Team Four Star's first four dubs. And if you have no idea what Hells is, it goes a little something like this. Rina Amagani's first day of school really isn't working out. The other girls are ghoulish, the teachers are terrifying. And the headmaster is Helvis. No, really, he's a demon in tight pants with a lust for rock and roll. Oh, yeah! Uh-huh. All the one is a little rock and roll, baby. Nestled in the heart of Destiny Land, the Sanzu River Academy might sound like fun, but it's literally hell. And the worst part is, Rene's not dead. Or so she thinks. As she scrambles to get back home to her mama, Rene meets other humans like her who aren't dead yet, and then finds out that hell itself is all topsy-turvy. And the reason why starts with the very first humans on Earth. But don't worry though, so as long as you have your spirit, anything is possible. So yeah, this is a very interesting 
topic. Uh, fair warning, there will be biblical references up front, in case you didn't catch that, to provide context for some of these characters. Right. Yeah, because there's no way I could mention AEDs without spoiling it. I mean, it's bound to happen. I mean, that's why we have a disclaimer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, with the pleasantries out of the way, let's get started with our ADR director and scriptwriters. Our ADR director is Amber Lee Connors. As for our scriptwriters, our head writer is Howard Wang. And our scriptwriter is Scott Frerichs. Amber Lee Connors, she is... All, one of the projects she's also directed is uh, Real Rainbow Gate. But she's also the assistant director at BDEX at BDEX Neo. Howard Wang, the only other project he's written on is a Real Rainbow Gate, but he's also assistant director on that show. As for Scott Frerichs, I could not find any writing credits, but I'm pretty sure if you know Scott Frerichs, you know who Kaiser Neko is, and that's all she wrote. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. You know where to find that. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure somebody's yelling at the computer right now. It's like, what's wrong with you? You know what else he's done. Yeah, no, I'm not really into a bridge series. I'm sorry. Anyway, you go ahead, Roots. Yeah, so... I actually kind of like that... I don't know how to to really put this, but... The script writing did kind of have a little bit of an abridged feel to it, but it's not, like... It's not... The jokes aren't really forced in. It feels natural. And... That's that's actually something I really appreciate because it like the script was actually very funny, and it like the movie itself felt like it should have been. So, uh, honestly, like the the writing crew for Team Four Star seemed like a perfect fit for this movie, and um, Amberly Connors got a really great crew together to uh, you know crew of actors to put on this little ensemble show and yeah they uh everyone involved did a really great job i'm actually kind of surprised to see this is one of howard wang's first um anime adapted script writing roles i'm i'm sure he's done other things for sound cadence but like yeah good on all three of you yeah, so I'll start with the script writing. Yeah, you're right. The script writing feels kind of very natural, but that's because, believe it or not, the movie itself is full of references. And that was something these two had pointed out during the commentary. Uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, like if you know, if you pay attention, close attention to some of the characters in the movies, they pretty much kind of references themselves. Like at one point, you see the uh, door mother that looks like Minnie Mouse. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There's, there's a lot of references everywhere. I remember they referenced the uh, Alice in Wonderland. Pretty much majority of the movie, uh, Sailor Moon. What else? So going into that, it wasn't that hard for them to just have a little fun with it, you know. But at least stay true to the spirit of the movie. And I believe Connors is a director. I, 
I've only watched one other project of hers, and that was Real Rainbow Gate. I thought she did very well on that, too. I mean, this is... I was going to say it's probably the first time, but yeah, she manages to play up everybody very well. And, uh, let me pull up my notes here. So yeah, she pretty much like broke it down in the commentary, like how she wanted every character to play out. I remember she mentioned at one point, the audition sides for this is like, it required like everybody screaming. That's why you're going to hear most of it in this movie. And uh, I've been dying to cover this since the day the dub came out because... I remember they were holding a contest for this. To which, fun fact, I actually won a free copy of Hell, so I was like... <laughs> so, I, so I, when I got to listen to it, I really enjoyed it. Like, I mean, this is probably the only Madhouse Blu-ray I own, but... Hey, it was fun for what it was. As a matter of fact, it was so fun, it ended up getting a couple of my dubbies. To which I have to make a small correction on one of them, uh, cause for one of them we had the wrong names for best mixing. That was entirely my fault. Uh, yeah, it was actually supposed to go to uh, Jonathan Cooling and Natalie Van Sistine, but just wanted to clear that up out of the way. In any case, all three of them did a great job, and I look forward to some more South Cadence stuff. Cause I don't think I don't really think we've ever covered any South Cadence stuff on this channel. I mean, I've been trying. Um. I believe I knew Kusabi was Sound Cadence. No, I know Kusabi was Culture Sound. Okay. But yeah, I've been trying to push towards Sound Cadence. So I really do want to cover Real Rainbow Gate at some point, but that's neither here nor there. So I think that being said, we could move it to our first batch of characters. Uh, pretty much, our first group is a. This is probably going to be the largest group out of everybody in this episode because we have what's called the seven deadly sins now the seven deadly sins the way it works oh fuck i messed up the order oh don't worry well let's just do the first group next we'll, we'll cover the seven deadly sins first yeah so the seven deadly sins basically pretty much the seven deadly sins if you know the story about the seven deadly sins then you know that they reside in the spirits of seven animals who absorb those spirits. They came about to life as a result of a contract between our antagonist, who we'll get to later. There's a very good reason why. So for our, so for our seven deadly sins, we have Wolfie, who's voiced by Marissa Lenti, Kiki, who's voiced by Sir Ed Williams, Mamila, who's voiced by Emily Fajardo. Kyria, who's voiced by Elizabeth Maxwell. Gilala, voiced by Amanda Gish. Connella, voiced by Caitlin Elizabeth, a.k.a. Caitlin Muncy. And Phantoma, voiced by Marianne Miller. Uh, to go over these roles real quick, you've heard Marissa Letty in Chio School Road, Gamers, and Ambaka. Sarah Ann Williams, you've heard in Berserk 2016, Killer Kill. And she was recently announced to be in Sailor Moon Sailor Stars. Emily Fajardo is also in Chio School World, Island, and Konohana Kitan. Elizabeth Maxwell has been in shows such as My Hero Academia, Overlord, and Dragon Ball Super. And there's a fun reason I'm bringing up that one. <laughs> Gilala, I mean, Amanda Gish, you've heard her in, Go in Goblin Slayer, Kakuryo, Keijo. 
Caitlin Elizabeth, you've heard in the FMA live action movie, Little Witch Academia, Mobile Suit Gundam, Thunderbolt, Bandit Flower, and Marianne Miller, you've heard in Fully Coolie Alternative, Little Witch Academia, and Madoka Magica. So yeah, this is a specific reason I bring up these seven first. Let me find it. Okay. So pretty much they look like certain versions of Universal Monsters, but apparently the manga, the Hell's Angels manga, make note that the, the monster design was done by uh, Yasushi Yasushi who is a famous designer and model maker, model maker in Japan. And in the late nineties, also created a line of familiar, though sexier toys in Japan called Resurrection of Monstrous. That would that was imported to the U.S. through stores like Hot Topic and Spencer's. I remember those. Yeah. Because there was there was a Spencer's like directly in the local mall, and they were like all over the place. Yeah. So even though a couple of them were never released, like Cornella and Mummyla, the names were as follows: It was Frankensteiner, of course, Frankenstein, Halig Wolfnika, which became Wolfie, Curia. Vampire Curia, Creature Galala, which is apparently a reference to, uh, what was it? Oh, I don't remember. I, I even <laughs> looked at the, the notes in the... Creature, the Creature from the Black Lagoon. Okay, there yeah, we go. Yeah, Wolfies to the Wolfman, Curious to Dracula, Mummyless to the Mummy, of course. A lot of people are gonna think that Phantom is probably a Phantom of the Opera reference, but a reference... Technically, yes. But she's more for reference to Phantom of the Paradise with a little bit of Femt from Berserk. Which, by the way, Phantom of the Paradise is like one of my favorite Brian De Palma films. Go check it out, people. Yes, which I'm glad you hear. And uh, Kiki, it's funny, Cordula is kind of unusual. Uh, apparently it was based off of, uh, yeah, Kuno, which means black... And Noah, which means to ride, which means black rider, or could be common rider. Kiki, they actually had a different name at the time, but they changed it, I guess, to reference Kiki's delivery service, because, you know, she was a witch. So, that being said, let's get this out of the way. Let's start with... Who's the least? Let's start with Mummyla and Emily Fajardo. Yeah, that's all agree. She didn't talk much of what she did. She, her mouth was pretty much full, but I'm kind of, I've grown to, I've grown to admire Emily Fajardo's Well, She's like, I guess, a mini Terry Doty in some kind of way, but she, she didn't talk as much. Would you agree? Mm, yeah, more or less. I mean, in all honesty, I... While I remember them speaking, I don't really have much to say about um, Wolfie, Mummyla, Curia, or um, Gileala. Because, <clears throat> uh, like, the times I remember them speaking were basically, like, in the ensemble. I thought they did a pretty good job, but, like, they just didn't get the lines for me to get a decent opinion of them. Yeah, I, I can agree for about four of them. Uh, Gilala, I've been wanting to talk about Amanda Gish for a while. She kind of has this slight sultry tone to her voice. Mm. 
which I really enjoy. I'm, I'm just wondering, like, if she's from, like, the South or something. And same with Emily Fajardo. I've been wanting to talk about her for a while, too. But, you know, sometimes, you know, when you start out in the, in the world, you either get a big role in a small show or a small show, a small role in a big show. Uh, the two I want, three of them I want to talk about, uh, Caitlyn Elizabeth, because I'm not too familiar with her. I haven't seen Little Witch Academia, but I really like to take out Cordola. It's like, it was very deep, very husky for what the character's supposed to be. Was, so I couldn't help but feel that it was more of a Ghost Rider kind of situation, because the, the volleyball, after the volleyball tournament, one of her, her wish was pretty much to just get a badass motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kiki was what I heard the most. And Sarah Ann Williams. Because this is not the first time I've heard her the sound cadence dub. Like, I've heard her in Real Rainbow Game. She uses more or less kind of same voices. It's more of a kid of to Nardon from Killer Kill. But I thought she could be sweet and doing well. Sometimes being a bit a pain in your ass, you know? Yeah, I really, I really like the kind of total shift of her from, um, like, she is the big, she's like one of the biggest asshole bullies in the beginning of the film, and then she encounters, uh, Stila in the schoolyard protecting, <clears throat> I'm sorry, uh, I, I still need to look at names, um, she encounters Stila, or Stila in the schoolyard protecting Renee from uh from her dog and she i guess kicks a dog and incurs the wrath of Stila, and then all of a sudden she's buddy buddy with him like i i really love that tonal shift yeah but i think you and i could probably agree that probably the standout of the seven is uh marianne miller's phantom because phantom gets a lot more to do in the series yeah, she gets she gets a lot more to do over the course of the film, and she gets some really great one-liners. <laughs> it's like part of this role was made for her entirely. And what's even more interesting is she's the only one out of the seven that has a backstory, which I found very interesting. Yeah. Like, and it was that. Sorry, go ahead. Honestly, I feel like they all probably did in the manga. Yeah. I'll, I'll have more to say about this in Final Thoughts, but it felt like a very abridged film in terms of, like, the plotline of Hell's Angels. But I'll have more to say about that. I wouldn't put it past them, you know. <laughs> but I do... But it's funny, because something interesting... Uh, I, I want to say Abba or Rene's actress pointed out in the commentary, because... There, there may be a possibility why Fatima is kind of a, a Fatima the Mask kind of reference. Because when you get into a backstory, you notice that like she was more or less shot to death in one eye. And but, Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they point that maybe that's why she's wearing a mask like that. As a reflection of herself, pretty much. Yeah. But I wouldn't know without looking at the manga, so... But all in all, they did very well. Especially the towards the end of the movie where they get transformed because all of them had to just scream their hearts out. Yeah. I would hate to see them at the end of their recording sessions for the end of the movie. Like, that sounded rough. Mm-hmm. But man, Sarah Ann Williams was probably the deepest one of them all. 
other than that, everybody did a very good job, and I give them all props. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That being said, let's move on to what was supposed to be our first pair, but I done fucked up. Then again, if you're in hell, you done fucked up anyway, you know? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, we have a pair of pets. We have Roku. Essentially a cat whose true form is that of God. Like a little, like a little dwarf statue. He calls himself God. I, I'm wondering about that. And then we have Franken, who's Steeler's pet dog. Honestly, uh, Franken kind of serves as a plot device for Steeler, really. But Roku, I mean, yeah. but Roku has much more to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, that being said, we're going to talk about two people we never really talked about before. Roku is played by Martin Bernardi, who you've also recognized as Lil Karibo from Yu-Gi-Oh! The Bridge series. You've heard about in other roles such as Sakabe from RG. That's his only name role. He has minor roles in uh, Godzilla Planet the Monsters, Hunter Hunter, and K.R. the Movie. Whereas Franken, believe it or not, is played by our head ADR engineer, Ben Tarani. He's only had background roles in Death March, Golden Carbwing, and Kakurio, but as an engineer, he's also worked on Andro, Gosek, and Kakurio. That's a really good set of shows to have been working on. I only picked the best. <laughs> so, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, I... I mean, there's not really much to say about Franken because it's basically just, like, dog barking and snarling. But, I mean, Benjamin does a really good job with it. Yeah, he's a good undead pupper. Like, like I, I really have a lot of respect for the the folks in, um, in ADR drubbing who end up going and playing, like, the animal characters. Because I'm sure that's... Like, you probably have to, like, listen to dog barking and snarling and whimpering just to, just to get that down and, you know. Yeah. Like, and it's really great when somebody does, does it, like, really well. Because sometimes, you, in a couple of cases, I could barely tell it was actually a human being. And this is, in fact, one of them. But um, let's get to Martin Bellamy as uh, as God, basically. Words you never thought you'd say in your lifetime, huh? <laughs> I mean, he's good, but anyway, um, I he's another character that really benefits from the script writing. Oh yes, because he gets. He gets really great one-liners over the course of the movie, and like he gets to be snappy and bannery towards when uh, towards uh, Renee, and uh, I just—he also kind of has a sarcastic wit to him that I just—I I really latched onto over the course of the film, and I'm just—I'm—I'm I'm really glad that this dub kind of went out of its way to, to get him into this part because it it feels pretty much hand in glove 
Mm-hmm. Are you done? Yeah, I'm, I'm all set, yeah. All right, so... Uh, ben Tavadi, Ben Tavadi played a good undead pupper. <laughs> I'm, I'm just sorry he was a plot device, because, you know, I will... I mean, he probably knew he wasn't going to be in that long, but at least, you know, he gave it his all. And he had fun with it, and that's what matters. Yeah, I mean, he's a good dead boy. Martin Bellini, on the other hand, I never expected to talk about Lil Karibo at all, but hey, here we are. But yeah, he does have a nice dry wit to his, like, you know. His character subverts people's expectations. It also should be mentioned that pretty much the cat is more or less one of the reasons why Rene is kind of in hell, because she goes out of the way to save this cat, or to get hit by a big rig. Ooh, that had to hurt. Ooh, yeah, I mean, yeesh, 18 wheels of pain. But Martin did a very good job pretty much bringing the exposition, especially when it's needed. And I thought, yeah, this must have been a fun role for him. Because seriously, how often do you get to play God? I mean, just ask David Wald. Oh my god. Mr. Tonegawa joke, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of references, I think we're good to move on. So we could go to our next set of characters. To which, at some point, (laughs) by what? 20, 40 minutes into the movie, the headmaster just tears the school down. Everybody's gathered for the assembly just to what? To play sports? And, and apparently the sport in question is volleyball, which it pretty much turned into more or less Haikyuu. And for that, we have the team captains. <laughs> because the whole... It's like Haikyuu's bizarre adventure. <laughs> like, really? It's just... Haikyuu's like bizarre. It's like a JoJo's volleyball game going on in the middle of this movie. I will admit, because on the third or fourth rewatch of this today, a couple of my favorite lines came from this section. Uh, one being from the captain of the East Witches. Uh, holy shit, witch is big. Yeah, I drink my milk and your tears. <laughs> yeah. And the other... Also, I think that's where the, um, eat floor bitch. Yeah. That's where that line was. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, it should also be noted that uh, at tournament, uh, in the it was never really specified until the commentary that in the manga, Helvis kind of rigged that volleyball match by uh, juicing her up, which is why she kept shocking Rita every chance she got. I had a feeling. Yeah. But I think one of my favorite other one-liners came from uh, the Pandas team captain. To which, which panda am I talking about? Yes. Uh, it, it was when they get defeated by the student council. And Sir Ed Williams is just going, But how? They're endangered. <laughs> <laughs> which, that was probably the most out of context that I'm surprised I didn't pick up the first time. Yeah. Yeah, but play these two. 
for the East Witch's Captain, we have Melissa Sternberg. And for the pandas, it doesn't matter which pad you pick, they're all voiced by Scott Ferrix. Oh, wow. I didn't actually know that. Oh, yeah. He voiced every single panda. Like, in the competition, they said that he had to do multiple passes. Like, for this panda, the center, the panda on the offset. Yeah. All different voices, but it's him. Oh, hi, Prince. That's too. impressive. Yeah. So, Melissa Sturdenberg, you've heard her in other voices. We spoke about her in the B-Dex recently, it's Mirage. She's Tiffany Abbott, Rio Rainbow Gate, and Maria Calavera and Ruby. She has played plenty of video games, but none I can find we recognize. Scott Ferrix, he's also the bat in B-Dex, Tanaka in Assassination Classroom Season 2, and ironically, Gundam Tanaka Dragon Dragonwapper 3's Despair Arc. Yeah. So I need I need to get around to Danganronpa eventually. Yeah, do it before Andrew yells at you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I, I should probably start talking about our volleyball captain, shouldn't I? Mm-hmm. So, as we alluded to earlier, the um, East Witch's volleyball captain gets like a lot of great one-liners. Again really benefiting from the somewhat abridged script writing that the movie ended up getting from uh, from basically Team Four Star. It she's she's really peppy. She she gets a lot of great quips against the um, the Seven Deadly Sins characters, um, Class 1 Rat, I believe is what they're called. But, um, she gets, she gets a lot of great one-liners against them during the volleyball game, and while that's pretty much the main point she is, she's in the, uh, in the movie as a whole, like, I, I really like the sequence. And that said, uh, Scott Frerichs as the pandas, he he gets a little more screen time because they're basically prevalent in the final arc. But I re- like, uh, I I really like the voice Scott Frerichs gave the, I believe it's the lead panda, the the one with basically the shoot a bamboo in his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> like it it felt very. Like, it, it felt very snappy. And he gets to play off of a lot of the main characters, and... Like, it's just so fun. And, in particular, I, I really like, as they're about to face off against the student council, and he's just like, Oh yeah, yeah, you'll never beat us! And then... Like literally the next shot, it's after the game and they've lost and they're they're bowing to the student council and he's like apologizing. It's, it's great. Yeah. I I love little sight gags like that. But yeah, uh, Scott Ferrix did a really great job as the pandas, and uh, Melissa Sternberg also did a really great job. I really hope we get to talk about her more in the future. Mm, I hope so too. Uh, starting with Melissa, I kind of like the voice she used for the character. I would say the character design is like, hot damn. 
<clears throat> Damn. Uh, yeah. I, I really admired the tone she took with the character and the, and the one-liners, too. I was like... This <laughs> burst out laughing. Because it was pretty unexpected, but then again, with vi the visual gags, you know, there's a whole lot. Like, for God's sake, there's a... I've made a Kingdom Hearts 3 reference when I watched this first time, but... I, I, uh, anyway, I admire, I admire the voice kind of used, because it kind of sounded like, uh, I want to say maybe a slightly higher tone of Marissa Lenti, so, yeah, somewhere between Wolfie and Momoko, I guess. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I see where you're going with that. Yeah, because some actors sound like, but, you know, not all of them are, like. But she did a pretty good job in this role. And Scott is the pandas. Jesus Christ. Every panda. <laughs> like they're all distinct. They're all distinct. They're all mouthy. And they're all lots of fun. <laughs> I, I really like the way Scott handled his deliveries. Especially when he reacted to Rene. It's like. Oh, uh, I forget the exact line. But it's like. Oh, there's a whole bunch of pandas. It's like, she's just surprised to see them talking in hell. It's like, <laughs> it, was, it was fun. And I really wish we get to see Scott a lot more stuff, you know? Like, not just minor roles, like, you know, like something, something decent, like Gundam Tanaka. Like. Yeah. But these two did a very good job, and... <laughs> I would say I'll be mentioning volleyball again soon for another reason, but I think they had a lot of fun with what they were giving. And let's just leave it at that. Oh! <laughs> oh, since I mentioned the pandas and how they had to bow down to the student council. Yes, we'll Oop. yes, we'll be talking about Here we go. We'll be talking about the student council next, minus one member. I wonder if you can for reasons. Wonder if you can figure where you're going with this viewer. So we have Mario, we have Luca, and we have Ray Kakurasaka. Uh the pretty much the interesting thing about the student council members is what and you'll find out after the volleyball tournament, but they suffer a lot of scrapes and bruises, but you can see they're also bleeding too. They're also not dead yet. And it turns out they had been on the attack of the side, trying to figure out a way back home. You know, doing, a, doing whatever they need to do by re reasonably. Uh, and it got down to at one point that uh, they saved Re I, I remember one scene they saved Rene from a moving board because she thinks if you have spirit, you can do anything. What? I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, at the end of the film, it turns out, yes, but but in that, we didn't know that. But in that scene, like, she was just being kind of stupid to win the student council to save it, because Mario was just literally doing the Naruto run at one point, and Ray is just, like, going all magical girl, swinging, like, something like a baseball bat, just knocking that shit out. I, I apologize for the lack of description view. It's just that it's really kind of hard to put into words without going forward, just get right into it. Mario is voiced by Joshua Gote. 
Luca is voiced by Kareed Sudberg, and Ray is voiced by our ADR director, Amberly Carters. For Joshua Gote, this is the only role he has so far. This is his actual first role into ADR dubbing, if you can believe that. I would assume he's also done, like, video games for Sound Cadence. At one point or another. I do know, he, I do. I did find that he's part of a, a podcast on YouTube, but other than that, though, I could not find any other roles for him. Not video game or otherwise. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Very. Uh, Kareem Sundberg, Ryan Hunter's Made in Holy Night, Magical Girl Kaede in Ladies vs. Butlers, Akeem Wilfoot in Overlord 3, she performs the ending to Banania because you've otherwise heard her on YouTube as Megami33. Oh. Yes. Very interesting cast we're having here tonight. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> oh, strap yourselves in, views. This is going to be fun night now. And, of course, Abney Carters. You've heard her in other words as we decide Joe for my girlfriend, this show bitch. Probably the one person that group just watched it. Miss Joke from My Hero Academia and Rio Rollins from Rio Rainbow Gate. That haven't been said. Go ahead, Roots. Yeah, this is this is a really interesting bunch because, um, like Mario in particular, plays a bit of a major role throughout the film as more or less a secondary protagonist. So it, it's really interesting to hear that the the man who plays him, this is basically one of the first ADR roles that he's ever actually played. Because I, I think he did a really solid job with him. Like he's, he has a bit of stoicism to him and also a little bit of an odd playful sarcasm that I, I've noticed like a lot of the, a lot of the characters of this movie are pretty playfully sarcastic and like he gets a lot of great line one-liners he he like banters really well not only against um our main protagonist or our main antagonist but um also of helvis and a few other characters as well um unfortunately like luca and ray really other than right before the volleyball tournament they don't get much in the way of dialogue after that but uh, both of them seem pretty fun they like they definitely didn't sound bad at what they do not by a long shot but it's just kind of a shame that they just basically got written out halfway through the film and don't come back until toward the end yeah Shape, but it's a shame because I really enjoyed the performances. Like, well, Emily Carter, she her voice has this kind of girl next door vibe to the point she could read me the phone book anytime and I'd be enthralled with it. So it's amazing that she gets pretty much, I guess, essentially the fast talking character among the three. <laughs> the way she introduces herself and so on. But yeah, yeah, she she gets a. a she doesn't get much in the way of the story. Uh, Luca, on the other hand, 
I I never really listened to Karine Sudberg at all. I mean, I only know who she is because apparently she does sell a movie to British, apparently. But, again, I'm not into the British stuff, so I can't really say. I will say, however, she did a very good boy voice. And I, I'm trying to find a basis for comparison. Cause I, but the best I can think of is probably Michaela Kratz in terms of boy voices. And I thought it was very impressive. Joshua Gote. Now this is probably the star of the three, cause I did not know this was his only role at the time. Like, cause it sounded to me akin to something like Kyle Phillips in terms of like the goofy aspect, but in the serious aspect, maybe Kyle Phillips as well, maybe a little Rico. Who knows? But I thought he did. He played the part very well. I know Mario played this part very well too, because at some points you get to see a little bad service, like you get to see his abs and everything. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's something for the viewers to enjoy. You get both fan service and bad service, so you know. Equal opportunity beefcake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but overall they did a very good job. And uh... <laughs> speaking of beefcakes. Next section is gonna be very fun. <laughs> oh boy! Now we have a trio here, but uh, well, it depends on how you look at. It. We have the headmaster Helvis. We have who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you who he is in a second. And we have three days, Bob. Who? <laughs> so Helvis is the headmaster of the academy it goes a little something like this it turns out his true identity is that of Cain if you are familiar with the story of Cain and Abel Cain was the first person Cain was the person to commit the first murder ever in history as a result Abel's body was sent to hell Cain himself, however, I guess he got dragged out to hell at some point. I don't know how, but I'm not, I'm not religious, gotta be honest. Anyway, Elvis is the headmaster of the academy. His job, well, his proclaimed job is to keep Abel's madness in check, lest he threaten the entire academy. Trust me, there's gonna be. If you can figure out what the plot threads are going with this, you can figure out who Abel is later. Speak, speaking of the family, we have who, whose real identity is that of Adam. Now, at the point you discover Abel's Adam in the movie, you'll realize there's a crux placed firmly into his brain. That crux contains the body of Adam. If you know the story of Adam and Eve, Eve was born from the rib of Adam and became his first wife. They both ate forbidden food and was forced to... I forget what the lad was called. Again, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm. Uh, um, Eden? Yes, he was forced from the land of Eden. Wow, you would think I'd know that, but. Anyway. In order to pretty much defend himself and his wife Eve, who we'll get to at the end of this series, his power is pretty much the power of belief, I guess. 
His power strength is where his wife Eve believes that he could be K. To which, yeah, I know this whole thing seems kind of convoluted, but <laughs> there's more to it than you think, viewer. Speaking of Eve, we get... Oh, wait, I can't spoil that yet. And then we have Rene's mom. Rene was dragged out. Rene is just pretty much typical loving mother, dragged out to hell by Abel in order to break Rene. Because, you know, everybody knows Rene is pretty much powered by her mother's spirit. Because, you know, as long as you have spirit, you, can, you believe you can do anything. As long as you have spirit, anything is possible. To the point that once she disappeared into the void, Rene tries to go after her only for her to disappear herself. And then I'd explain what happens next, but this movie makes about as much sense sometimes as a penny. But hey, just sit back and enjoy the ride. That's all I can say. Mm -hmm. That being said, I'm actually going to start with who first. Who? Who voices him? Who is voiced by Chris Guerrero? Rene's mom is voiced by Jessica Calvello. And Helvis is voiced by Jason Mardoka. Chris Guerrero, you've heard of the other roles such as Ippy Bobby Cage from Code Realize. Einzo Gold from the Overlord franchise. And McGruff the Crime Dog. I mean, Kenji Suragame from My Hero Academia. <laughs> Oh, seriously, come on. Don't You can't tell me he didn't come up with that reference. Oh, I I can tell without a shadow of a doubt that that, that was based off of McGruff the Crime Dog. Yes, uh, Jessica Calvello, you've heard of his other roles such as Tear Me from Mabaki Brilliant Park. You know, pretty much simply put, we need to go looter. That that character. Zoe Haji sums up a lot of her characters. Speaking of which, Zoe Haji from Attack on Titan, and she's recently announced to Prizeros Honey from the in Cutie Honey Universe. Jason Madoka, oh boy, <laughs> he's Steven Motlin in Hero Mask, Botobai Gigante in Hunter Hunter Twenty Eleven. And Keiichiro Nijimura in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable. So, let's, let's go, Roots. Yeah, so I'll, I'll probably end up doing this in the order you presented them in. Um, Chris Guerrero as who, or Adam, or whatever you want to call him. I, I really enjoyed the performance, because he, he plays who off as, like, a wannabe Casanova, and it's hilarious because he, I, I just love how he keeps kind of getting shot down, and and he just gets back up and uses the power of belief to to fight the the antagonists of this movie, and like, and he basically just tries to use that for a reason we'll get to when we get to the particular character it involves, but. Like, it's just this overwhelmingly positive, but at the same time, like, absolutely clueless in terms of relationships guy, and it's just wonderful, hilarious, and awkward all at the same time, and 
Chris Guerrero did a really, really great job with him. Now, as for Renee's mom, uh, like a lot of other characters, she really, she gets a lot of screen time, but not m very much in the way of lines. But I really like that she basically plays Renee's mom as basically the doting mother. You know, it, it's simple, but it works and works really well. And I, I can't knock a performance that works based on its simplicity. So, like, she did she did a really great job playing, like, the warm motherly figure. So, yeah, great job. And, God, Jason Marnoka as Helvis. Like, the man has so much soul to his voice in this performance, and he gets a lot of great lines. He he basically gets to do, like, a cheesy Elvis impression every now and again. And at other times, he's like... He's like a soul singer, and it's just... It's wonderful. It's... Every time Helvis shows up on the screen, I get a little bit of a smile on my face. And I just I just love it when an actor can do that with a character. Just be so out there. It's it's just instantly enjoyable. So huge thumbs up to all three of the actors we are talking about right now. Great job, guys. Yeah, so I'm gonna start with who, cause I mean, I uh, how do I put this? It it's kind of a I don't want to say typical, cause I know it's like it's a lower tone than like Idol Goon. Actually, no, it's more like each year for fairy tale, you know, man. Uh yeah, he displays that kind of voice and <laughs> this kind of character. Like you don't see too many characters like who. Or like Adam, pretty much, but <laughs> I, I like the way he handles Adam's dialogue very well. Especially when you see them uh, as, after we they cast the rock into the in the into the pool, you see start seeing flashbacks and at at one point there was a scene to which uh sh shout out to young Abel, played by uh Christian McGuire, to which He's kind of hungry for uh, his uh, mother's bosom, and Chris is. And Chris responds like, "Nah, nah, nah, Abel, don't be jealous. I, I don't. Fuck. Let me try again. Nah, nah, Abel, don't be jealous. Those boobs are meant for, uh, for. Oh, wait. God damn it! I know I had to. It was something he said about his wife's bosom that he couldn't drink milk out of it either." I think it's like if they belong to Abel now. Yeah, they belong to Abel now. I'm I, I'm just too that I can't have any. And I thought that was kind of pretty funny. And that kind of sums up this character for me. Like it's like it's very caring, but very foppish at the same time. And it's like it's very interesting. Reday's mom, yeah, she gets a lot of screen time. But I do like even for the lack of dialogue. I do like. How natural she comes across compared to Weeday's uh, actress, because it almost you would think it almost sounds like they were actually related in real life. Yeah, but yeah, we'll have more to say about that in a little bit. But you know, I mean, Jessica Calvo did a pretty good job. I mean, 
it got it, I guess it kind of gets goes to against the noble Jessica Calvino roles you would see her in. Yeah, she did pretty good. But let's get to the bad hour here. Oh yeah, <laughs> Jason Madoka. <laughs> There is a reason I gave this man a comedy award at the Derbies this year. Jesus Christ, he was so foppish. That was, was like the best Elvis impersonation he had to do. Because I remember, uh, Abba said that he had, she had Jason sing more than Elvis did the Japanese. As well as preaching certain biblical lines for certain scenes. I, I guess either to expand his rage or to, you know, make Helvis stand out even more. And for somebody I never really listened to a lot of, it was very impressive. And it turns out that deepness in his voice is natural. Because if you listen to him in Diamond is Unbreakable, it's actually that deep. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, in case you're wondering, he was the guy with the bow and arrow in the early episodes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't get Toonami anymore, so... Ah. Anyway, but yeah, they did a very good job. It looks like... Ah, uh, like you said, anytime you see Elvis on screen, it just puts a smile on your face. You know, he actually did a cover of, uh... I think it was Elvis Presley's Devil in Disguise. Ooh. You look like an angel. Yeah, yeah, if you have... Is this in preparation for Hells, or... I think this... just do I, it to do it? I think this was after the fact. Oh, okay. But yeah, if I can find it, I'll send you it. But yeah, everybody did a very good job, and... Now, uh, if we have the cane, we've got to get to the able. So, from here on out, everybody will be individual, starting with Ryu Kuto, our student council president. Uh, if you can figure out figure out the plot threads up to this point for you, he is able. No, it, I, I know what you're asking. Able to do what? No, he's actually mm -hmm. able. He was the first person murdered in history. His madness was sealed away by Cain. It is, in the, I forget what room it was, but all I know is it was sealed with a crux made out of Adam. Uh... On the outside, he's just a student council president, good at sports and everything. But on the inside, like he harbors pretty much his deepest, darkest secrets, and he's willing. I, I don't know. I guess he's willing to destroy humanity because it came about when he formed a contract with the Seven Deadly Sins. That's how they got their existence in physical form. But I will say. Kuto is a very interesting character, per se. Because not only for one does his design... I mean, you would think his design makes it stand out, but it doesn't, really. But for two is also who plays him. And who plays Ryu is Howard Wang. Yes, our head writer is Ryu Kuto. You've heard him in other roles such as Natsuru Sino in Camphor. Hitoshi Sugoroku Nabaka, and Kentaro Yamashita, aka the Yamaranian, in Time That Never Falls in Love. So, that being said, go ahead, Roots, because I need to collect my thoughts for a second. Yeah. So, uh, Ryokudo has 
a really interesting character arc throughout the film. He basically has to wear two masks, and then he has his true self. Like, the first of it is, like, his student council president persona, and then basically wearing the madness of Abel throughout most of the film as the basically the core antagonist. Driving everybody to despair, mocking everyone, and, you know, like, which, by the way, was an excellent amount of ham on Howard Wang's part. Mm -hmm. Like, like, that was absolutely glorious scenery chewing on his part, and, like, really fun. And then, you get his true face at the very end of the film, which is basically... The scared child who doesn't want to admit that they're afraid of what is going on. Oh, yeah. And, like, I I think, like, that point, probably in the last, I want to say, like, 10-15 minutes of the film, that is where Howard Wang truly gets to shine. Cause no, it, pun, like, no, no pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. I, I forgot all about that, so. But it's, like... He gets, like I said, he gets a really well-rounded story arc throughout the course of the film, and basically, Howard gets a a really great opportunity to just ride an emotional roller coaster with um, with Rio Kudo, and it's I I just I really like it. Like, there's not really much more I can say on the matter. Like, he did a really great job with it. Yeah. I mean, I don't get to talk about Howard Wang much on this podcast. The last time I talked about it was that Baka, but that was for different reasons. I, I would admit, because I remember seeing the cast list, the cast announcement for this, and I saw he was Kuto. I was like, well, this is going to be very interesting. And then I played the Blu-ray, and I kept, I kept trying to figure out, wait, who? is that i live i legitimately thought it was rico fajardo at one point <laughs> to which when i saw the cast i was like that's howard where has this been hiding all my life because <laughs> how how brings a sense of depth to this character man like you know pretty much you know trying to prove he's the best good in a good sense or a bad sense like I mean, he manages to manipulate almost everybody, because even when you think you've won, he has kind of the upper hand on you. Because there was, what, uh, where he he brought student council into nothingness, where he knocked down the school, where they're essentially doing basketball with the little yin-yang balls, uh, when they're floating up into the sky, do not ask me about that. I don't know what was happening, to be honest. <laughs> it's the power of belief. Times 10,000. You gotta believe. Cue the little, like, xylophone. You gotta wonder how much weed they were smoking when they came up with this story. <laughs> By me, hey, I least- mean... Hey, Funny I, enough, if they get caught with it in Japan, you know, that's pretty much the end of your career, so. But yeah, but hey, at least you get to breathe again. I can breathe again. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, he 
it's kind of terrifying. I guess especially with the filters they put on him as well, because like. I never, I never really knew he was capable of being evil. I mean, you would expect if it was, if it was, if he had put somebody else there, I would expect out of that like maybe somebody like Josh Greeley, Robert Carter, Rico Fajardo, that kind of thing. But Howard Wang was very out of the box. Then again, this entire movie is out of the box too, you know. So, yeah. so for that, I commend him on that. That haven't been said, we're going out of the box into nothing. No, there's no segue. It's just we're talking about our next character, uh, Steeler. Yeah, she's nothing. Literally, it's she's. Alright, just ignore her. She's nothing, nothing. Literally, she's the embodiment of nothingness. To the point that her one wish. Uh, for the volleyball tournament was to have a heart. And it was at that point that once she started having a heart, she, she was able to speak her piece. And it was at that point that Ryu took over her body by using his madness against her, just controlling her. Like, next thing you know, everything starts getting voided around her because she is the void. Which is going to be interesting once I talk about the actress uh, who's voicing nothing. I mean, and who's voicing Steeler is Megan Shipman. Megan Shipman, you've heard in other roles such as Hanamaru Kunikida from Love Life Sunshine, Snow White from Magical Girl Raising Project, Albert Suzukaze from New Game, and Mari Bella Fiore from the Overlord franchise. I have a feeling this section may be a little quick, but go ahead, Roots. Yeah, like, there really isn't much to uh, Megan Shipman's performance, because, like, Stila gets maybe a handful of lines, and then it's just basically screaming the rest of the way. Because she, the character of Stila doesn't really come into her own until the second half of the film. She's basically silent that entire first half, and then, you know, the volleyball tournament happens, and then she gains her voice, more or less. But, um, I, I really like that Megan Shipman kind of played her with, like, a childlike persona, I guess would be the word for it. Maybe. I'll get more into it by section, so. Like, sort of an kind of an odd innocence to the uh she gives like an odd innocence to the character and then basically the rest of the way it's just her like screaming really loudly and like agonizing over the fact that she is now this weapon created by abel in order to destroy all of reality and and then, basically, at the end of the film, she sacrifices herself to stop what she is doing. And, yeah. Like, it, again, all three of our, per our major characters get, like, a really interesting character arc. And I gotta say, like, Steelers is the one that interested me the most. Yeah. Because it's... You know, she basically, and at the end of the film, when, like, everybody's reincarnated, she's basically, 
brought back as a child, which really kind of drove home what I thought about Megan Shipman's performance. Basically playing it, you know, sort of like a child who doesn't get the concept of good and evil, basically, I guess, is what I was trying to drive at. So, yeah, like, Megan Shipman did a really great job with, with Stila. I really liked it. Yeah. I mean, I will agree Stila doesn't get ahead for Elias, but for the lines that she spoke, I actually, I actually did not recognize that was Megan Shipman. Because, again, I saw the announcement back then, but when I watched the movie, I was like, who is this? I, I, swear to God, I legitimately thought it was Stephanie Shea. And then I see the cast, and so I was like, that's Megan Shipman? Because even for the lack of dialogue she has, she does get to do some pretty cool sound effects, because that whole void you hear, she did that, that's all her, she did that in one take. If you can believe yeah. that. Wow. And it sounds nothing like the typical Megan Shipman war I've heard. I've heard. But even, even if she doesn't get to do much, you know, at least Megan brought heart to the character. I mean, I remember back when I was doing my dubbies, I had her considered for voice acting Black Magic. Unfortunately, I had to disqualify her because there wasn't enough lines for her to speak like. But then again, yeah, looking back at it, I probably wouldn't put that many grants anyway, because holy shit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, want, I, I really want to hear more Mega Shipman roles like this. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I loved her in New Game. I loved her in Magical Girl Razor Project. I loved her in Citrus, but my god, it's, it's amazing how out the box she could be, like, if you give her a chance. And I, I really think she knocked it out of the park. Probably not the gatekeeper, but she knocked it out of the park. <laughs> I mean, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. And speaking of knocking it out of the park, or trying to knock it out of the park, we move on to our main character. Rene Amagade. Oscar the paid protagonist. <laughs> Who, if you have spirit, you can believe anything is possible. Yes. Legitimately, she is the Eve to Adam. Like, she's the reincarnation of Eve. Dragged down to hell by uh, Ryu, because in order for Ryu to summon his plan, in order for Ryu to enact his plan, he needed the blood of his mother. That being Rine, at least her reincarnation. In a past life, Eve was disappointed with her son, Cade for murdering Abel. Now, in the present, Eve, in this case Rene, has to atone for her two children's sins. Believing she's stronger than she looks, you know, she sets out to resolve the conflict, which is apparently is pretty much boils down to sibling rivalry, let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah, nothing can break her spirit. Except for when her mother just disappears into the void. To which, the way that... Even then, like, the power of belief. Yes, viewer, this is the power of friendship if it was our weed. Just like the animation. (laughs) No, seriously, welcome to No Clues Wet Dream. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. He would definitely get a kick out of this if he'd ever seen it, but... Oh, it is like squash and scratch all over the place. It's like 90s MTV. Jesus Christ. Anyway, back on track. Rene is voiced by Amanda Lee. You've heard Amanda Lee in other roles such as Anzu and Hidematsuri, Nebarine in Magical Girl Racing Project, Crush in Overlord 2 and 3, and because this is Sound Cadence, L. Adams in Real Rainbow Gates. So, uh, kick off this final section. Go ahead, Roots. Yeah, like, I'm actually surprised that I haven't had the opportunity to talk about Amanda Lee as much as I've had, because I think, like, Hinamatsuri was basically it in terms of episodes I've been on. But, yeah, she she plays Renee with a definite sense of pep and energy and... Like, I can do anything as long as I believe, and, like, it, it's great and refreshing, and, like, I I really enjoyed, like, that aspect of it. Like, I can get out of, I can get out of hell, you know? All I gotta do is try hard enough, and, you know, I'll, I'll find my way out eventually. I'll get back to my mama, which, by the way, I, I really love the... Thing in the commentary track where they basically made a drinking game out of every time they <laughs> has to save mama but yeah i think they said something about a booth baby as well <laughs> and yeah either it was like a drinking game or like make a meme where they speed the movie up every time she says mama or something like that but yeah like, it's, it's really great, and then, like, at a point toward the end, she does actually have to kind of sink into a low point, and, like, I think she did a really great job with that for, like, the ten seconds she has to be depressed in the movie. Yeah. And, like, I, I really liked it. I, again, it's one of those things where I'm just trying to find more words to sound more sophisticated but like basically the thing that sums it up is yeah i i liked it so yeah uh great job amanda lee amanda's got spirit yes she do amanda's got spirit how about you <laughs> i love how that became a recurring theme and one of the things i forgot to mention was there was a line earlier when she talks to the Seven Deadly Sins about playing volleyball. And Elizabeth Max, one of the things they all talk about was what they wish for. One said panties, the other said, show me your energy. And she says, volleyballs do not summon dragons. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I got a real kick out of because... That's why I brought up Cardiflower for Elizabeth Maxwell, because she was the one who said that line. And it's also even I mean, get seven of them together, and I guess we'll see what happens. And it's even funnier, because coincidentally, the door mother in Japanese is played by Goku. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, I really appreciate how, like, very quick she can be with her quips. Very quick-witted. Very scatterbrained. I want to say it's like if it's as if it came natural to her, but I think, you know, she just 
has this energetic spirit to her, you know. I mean, I think that just comes with the territory because you know she does a lot of side cover, so she is it's easier for easier for her to maintain that energy. But overall, yeah. she, overall, she kept reading. She never pretty she pretty much never broke character once with Rene. Except in the bloopers, but <laughs> oh yeah, those were those were great. <laughs> yeah, but I thought I thought I thought she did a pretty good job overall. Sometimes I wish she had a uh, more leading roles, like because I, I know she has one in Android, which is kind of more or less the same character she's playing. Like she wants to be the hero, you know, wants to save everybody, and nothing can really break her spirit except maybe one thing. But yeah. God, I hope we get to talk about Andrew someday. But anyway, Amanda did a very good job. And that's pretty much my thoughts on the character. Speaking of thoughts, let's move into final thoughts. So, yeah. As I mentioned earlier, the movie felt, like, really abridged. It basically felt like four kind of separate plot lines kind of mashed chaotically together. That just kind of one would just abruptly end and then the next one would start up. It honestly felt like a recap movie for a 12, 13 episode series. To me. But I did actually very much enjoy the sort of frantic energy that it constantly had at all times. The very squash and stretchy animation. The sort of like the odd personas you would see come up in the film every once in a while and like i mean come on one of the main antagonists is a demon by the name of helvis like come on yeah like how can you not like chuckle a little bit at the idea of like the devil being an elvis impersonator like, it's, it's great, it's funny, it's kind of beautiful. I, um, I would actually very much wholeheartedly enjoy the, um, I would very much wholeheartedly recommend the film to basically anybody who really kind of wants to check out, like, very out-of-the-box animation and, like, fun, chaotic plot lines. And honestly, while we'll get to the streaming platforms you can find it on in a sec, I would really recommend picking up Discotech's Blu-ray just for the blooper reel. Yeah. Because, like, words cannot describe how hilarious it is. Especially when, with um, Jason Marnoka, whenever he messes up a line. Like, those were absolutely... I busted a gut laughing at them. I I checked out the blooper reel like earlier today. It was great fun time. So yeah, like do check out Hells, and I would very much strongly recommend the dub. Everybody involved did a wonderful job. The scripts felt like an abridged series, but in a way that actually felt faithful to the source material. And like the performances were all bombastic and energetic, and it's a great time. Go check it out. Fun. 
Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this movie. Like, I I was glad it came my way when it did because because the whole thing about it is when I first heard the dub get announced, I it was it was something very intriguing because I'm like again I'm not used to like Team Four Star stuff, but I really wanted to see what this was about. So when I heard they had a contest recently. They they wanted you to submit a question for them to answer, and uh, me me be me. I just want to see like I just want to know the process. Like, how is it working with somebody that does the bridge stuff on a movie like this? I guess for them it's a very natural fit. So yeah, it was pretty fun. It was a pretty fun time. And I'm so glad I did not have to play post office roulette with this because. Yeah, I would have been upset if I couldn't get my hands on this movie. Because let me tell you, for one thing, we here at Dub Talk tend to review a lot of stuff. And yeah, sometimes we have to be quick or, you know, sometimes you have to break apart certain things. But when a movie can just make you have you shut off your brain, just don't think about it, enjoy it, and you actually do enjoy it, that's the best kind of entertainment you can get from anime in general. Yeah. Yeah, and Hell's is a fun time to be had. And I do not regret any minute of it. As a matter of fact, I will tell you right now, if you ever get the opportunity, go buy a physical copy. Because I guarantee you this dub is nothing like you ever seen before. Not from Sentai, not from Bang Zoom, not even from Funimation. That's saying a lot. And believe me, it is worth every pay. If you want to see Hells for yourself, there's only two ways to do it at the moment. One would be to buy the Blu-ray through Right Stuff or wherever you buy your anime. The other would be, the other option would be to rent or buy it through Amazon Prime. It's two dollars to rent or eight dollars to buy digitally. But you're better off buying a physical copy because it has some amazing extras on it. Like, I mean, I will admit some commentaries like. There may be like little bits of information here and there, and then they're just having fun times with it. Some of it may be a little TMI, but trust me, it's enjoyable. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. just to hear people react to their own work, to their own product they make. Again and again, the bloopers are very funny, and you also get some pretty cool translation notes too. Because I did not know at one point there was a Fist of the North Star reference in this. Fist of the North Star, seeing oh, the moon, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it's in regards to the manga, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, you'd have to watch it to find out. But it is worth your 20 bucks or whatever it's going for right now. Just for the love of God, do not pirate this or you'll end up in hell. That's all, I, that's all I'm going to say about it. That's all I'm going to say on the matter. Bad like, Honestly, I also want to say it's either on um, Asian Crush or Midnight Pulp. Like, one of those is getting, like, a whole bunch of discotheque stuff, and I think one of those ended up getting the gun. I checked Asian Crush earlier tonight, and I didn't see it. Maybe it hasn't shown up there yet, but I do know it's on Prime, supported by Asian yeah. Crush, so. Yeah, that might be it. Okay. Yeah. But enough uh, but plug it this movie, I mean, we've had a fun time with it, but, you know, now we gotta get back up to the real world, to which, Roots, where can people find you at? 
Well, now that I've crossed the river sticks and returned to the mortal plane, you can find me on the twitter.com at Roots of Justice, uh, where I mainly just retweet cute animal pics. I talk general fandom stuff every now and again. It's a fun time. You should come check it out. Um, I'm also starting to script some stuff for a solo spinoff project, so hopefully I want to have that started to get rolling probably sometime around September-ish. So keep an eye out for that. And as for me, I'm an assistant editor for this podcast. I plan on venturing into my own podcast at some point. Uh, in the meantime, I can be found on Twitter at Jamstar529, at YouTube at Jamstar1. I have a blog that's collecting dust in the moment, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future. As for this channel, we can be found at Dub Talk Podcast on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Tumblr, rest in peace, and Instagram. Pouring one out for Tumblr. You I really blew this one, Yahoo. Yeah, you, you poured that drink into a Tumblr, right? <laughs> In any case, any last words before we go? Uh, see y'all in hell, baby. All you gonna need is Hell's Blu-ray on disc, baby. From all of us here at Dub Talk, have a good night. Don't talk world. Keep it hellish, baby. Keep it hell! Oh, fuck it. Oh, baby! Otaku on, Devas. Kumori Zora, Tomato Tears, Kakai Kiren, I fear, Tenny Nikir, Chini Asuki Rise, Weomir, Suruto Shizeni, Amega Fur, Kasao Sasas Ir, Onaji Pashoni, Kokoka, Toko Yuk, Amayadori, the way or Tuk Susun, Haikano Bot, Kushchon, Yok, Yoga.